Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Sugar Coated Murder Podcast, a brilliant true crime podcast hosted by two zany sisters, all while baking up delicious treats in their kitchen. Here are your podcast hosts, Karen Devaney and Ann Varner. Hey, y'all, here we are. We're in downtown Charleston. We are, and it's nighttime, and it's spooky. And we're ghost hunting, and we're ghost hunting with the most fabulous storyteller that we know, our friend Andrea. Andrea, Andrea. welcome. Thank you. No pressure there. Um, just a little bit of pressure. So Step it up. Yep. So we... Just, we're outside, so we could hear dogs barking, we could hear people talking, we could hear cars going by or honking, and we might even hear some church bells. And you might even hear, like, disembodied voices. Oh, that I wouldn't mind. We're going to try not to scream as much as we normally do. I know. Yes, you're right. Well, and I'm going to Andrea. And I, I did tell my son, because he's been pressuring me to exercise this week, and I said, well, if Andrea scares me a lot, there could be running involved. <laughs> when you said exercise, I was thinking exorcise. Oh, like no. exercise. Size of demons. Yeah, I that was what he was. We've trying got to get more you to of do. a chance of me exercising <laughs> than exercising at this point. I think that was what he was trying to get you to do. Oh, he misspelled so it. Yes, <laughs> I love it. I believe you. Yes. So there could be running involved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hopefully not. <laughs> what are you going to talk to us about? Yeah, You're I'm so going to talk to you about uh, three of my favorite ghost stories. Yay. I am down for it. Um. I just want to note that we are in the darkest corner of Washington Square Park. But it's so cool because we're under all the oaks. We are under the oaks. The atmosphere is amazing. But I keep feeling like something's at my back and I want to turn around. So you guys are looking at me. Tell me if anybody shows up behind Uh, me. Oh, we will. There's also sometimes cats that come out in this park. Oh, dear. So... If you see something moving or glowing eyes, let's just pretend that they're the street cats. Okay. Okay. We'll do it unless it's um, unless they are at your height. Right. <laughs> yes, and then, then we will have a real issue with exercising. It. <laughs> yes. cats. They were exercising, running down the yes. street. Absolutely. Except That's I don't know funny. how to get back to where we came from, so I'm you just, just going to be running me. through the streets. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the first story I'm going to start with is uh, the dead bride. Because who doesn't love a dead bride? I mean, I mean that's like, horrible to say. I know. That's I was worst, about to say that's so exciting, but I mean, that's it's, not nice to say, horrible. but it's I'm excited horrible. about the story. It is a good story. So we're going to go all the way back to 1803. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a ghost that shows up in St. Michael's Church, which is on the corner of Meeting and Broad Street. Mm-hmm. And she shows up as a bride uh, in the church. In like the church. In her wedding dress. Yes, she shows up. Like she's walking down the aisle. There literally have been people who will open the church doors, and because the church is open uh, for tours or for the public to come in and just see the historic architecture and the stained glass windows and all that good stuff, and people open the doors and they'll see a young bride standing there, and they'll think, "Oh my goodness, I'm interrupting something. I'm interrupting a photo shoot or a rehearsal," and they'll leave. Uh, but there's in fact, no wow. wedding or rehearsal or photo her, shoot. I want her to come out and on. talk to us. No. She doesn't leave the church. And here is okay. what I think is the most fascinating part of the story. So let me tell you about her. Okay. Her name is Harriet Mackey. 
And when she was, uh, I think when she was really young, her mother passed away. And when she was only 11 years old, her father passed away. Oh, Harriet. I know. And she was an only child. She was very, very intelligent. Her father made sure she was educated, which was unusual Mm -hmm. for children of the day, for young women of the day. Uh, But he wanted to make sure she was educated. They were extremely wealthy, extremely wealthy. Nice. So her father passes away, and what does the family do? They don't really think about the inheritance because they assume that all of his money is going to go to the next of kin who's a male. Oh. I mean, no one in their right mind is going to leave an 11-year-old girl the entire land and the fortune and everything because how is an 11-year-old supposed to take care of all that? Right. So the next of kin were actually two male cousins and they were businessmen. They were like, okay, we're ready to step in. The day comes, the will is open, it is read. Harriet's dad left every last penny to Harriet. Good for him. Nice. Yes. Way to go, Harriet's dad. Shocking. I'm going to say his name was Harry. (laughs) <laughs> Mr. Mackey. Mr. Mackey. Mr. Mackey. Uh, there, there were two caveats. Uh, Harriet could not come into her fortune until she reached the age of 22 um. or she got married, whichever oh. one came first. Oh, so she could be married at 13. I'd, be, I'd have been yeah. like, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tomorrow. Yeah, but then you might get the wrong suitor. Oh, That's yeah. true. And As it turns out, Harriet was very well taken care of with her guardians and good. with everybody. She grows up. She's still getting educated. She falls in love. And by all Aww. accounts, this was a true love story. And Aww. in fact, the man she fell in love with had more money than she was set to come into. Uh, so he wasn't he after was, her for her money? No, ma'am. Okay. He was after her because he loved her. I mean, nice. they really fell in love. Well they were done, a great Harriet. Match. Wow. Good. Yep, great match. There's going to be a big wedding at St. Michael's. A big society wedding. Yeah. A couple of days before the wedding, 17 year old Harriet drops dead. <gasps> uh-uh. She does in her no. house. She had been drinking tea, and clearly the tea was poisoned. Oh, so there's Harriet. a big investigation. Oh, those two cousins. And it's not. Mm, no, I'm jumping to conclusions. You are jumping to conclusions, but maybe not. Oh. But there's a big investigation. Sure. Everyone right away knows, like, her tea was poisoned. This is ridiculous. This is a very healthy young girl. Right. And, in fact, her tea was poisoned. It is so cliched. Oh, Her wow. fiancé is furious, and he vows to get to the bottom of it and not stop until he does. Right. Oh, wow. So, of course, the... The police do an investigation. They find the poison tea, but they can't exactly find the link of who poisoned the tea, who, you know, who exactly right. killed Harriet. No one's talking. Mm. They actually take the case to trial. They get an indictment against the two cousins. Oh, wow. They're the only ones who would have had sure. a motive. Because if Harriet's dead, then the next of kin and all the fortune... You know, the next of kin is the cousins. Right. All the fortune goes to the cousins. Right. No one else has a motive. So they bring a trial against the two cousins. They actually have the trial right over here in the courthouse across the street from St. Michael's. Wow. That we're looking at right now. Exactly. And what does the jury do? They find the two cousins not guilty. 
Yeah, there's because just not there's enough no evidence. There's no evidence. There's only circumstantial oh, evidence. There's so only wow. a motive. Yeah. There is no evidence. Wow. Well, Harriet's fiance is absolutely furious, and he again vows, "I will chase you to the." That's wow. some of the modernness that's, of Charleston. That's Harriet's, you know, fiance yes. still chasing down these. Yep, that's right. Criminals. The thugs. He said, "I will chase these people down to the ends of time wow. to get justice for my fiance." So we don't know. Actually, I don't think Harriet's fiance never got remarried. Aww. He does live a full life. Bless he ends heart. up passing away, but. The day that Harriet was buried, and here's the interesting thing. Back then, young women, if they passed before their wedding or shortly thereafter, they were actually buried in their wedding gowns. That oh, makes right. sense. And a portrait was made. Oh. That's so creepy. It's so weird. The dead portrait. There is a portrait, y'all. You can Google it. You can look it up. You can find it. 1803 Harriet Mackey Dead Bride. That no is the name way. of the portrait. No way. Yes, and it is in the Yale University collection. Are you really? Yes, and they're miniature portraits. They're almost, almost like it would be like a little cameo okay. right? yeah. around your neck. You so, can, oh, my. Yeah, so when you look at that portrait, you can see this is not your ordinary 17-year-old girl. Right. She is not some bubblehead or a ravishing beauty. She mm -hmm. looks very solemn, very serious. You can tell there's a lot of intelligence and wow. depth and weight in her. Wow. It's a beautiful portrait. We're going to have to it's a, it's a yeah. portrait. Yeah. portrait. Yeah. Um, actually, I think the portrait is owned by the Gibbs Museum here, which is right okay. down the street, but it was on loan to the Yale okay. University. I think that's where it is now. But on the day of Harriet's funeral was the first day she appeared in St. Michael's because oh. she showed up for her wedding. She Aww. showed up for she her wedding. She was supposed to be getting married, not buried. Right. Oh. oh. There's the name of a podcast. Yeah. Married, oh, married, not buried. That is a great one. <laughs> it's ours. Just Trademark. That. <laughs> but she did. She showed up in her full wedding dress, her full regalia, and walked down the aisle. And that's where she has seen ever since. She has not seen outside of St. Michael's. Oh, wow. Wow. So here's a question I have for everybody on this one. That was 1803, y'all. Yeah. Right. It is 2021, whatever year we're in right now. Right. Something. Why, why is Harriet still there? Because clearly her fiance has passed away by now, one would hope. Otherwise, he'd be several hundred years old. She unfinished business. Yeah. Yes, but once he passed away, she could have joined him in spirit, and they could have been married. But I think he has unfinished business, too. Oh. And I think so, too. he is still hunting down those two cousins because oh. he vowed to cross. So maybe he's not at rest, and when he finally finds them, he'll and be at rest. And brings justice to them. And she'll be at rest. Oh, I just gave no. myself the willies. You know what I think? I think when that happens, we are going to see a carriage <gasps> drive down Meeting Street, Ooh. a wedding carriage, and no. we are going to see her fiance step out of it, no. and he is going to go into St. Michael's. Oh, I got the chills. I have chills, too. Oh, my God. And he is going to claim his bride. Oh, my God. He is going to escort her out of St. Michael's, and we will never see them again. Wow. I want to be at that wedding. <laughs> oh, my God. There is a carriage over there. Right now. Oh. Except it's got a lot of people. I know. Mm. Oh, there's a carriage tour. Oh, I got the chills. Oh, my hair is standing yes. on end. I know. Wow. Right? Mine does, too. Every ooh, time I get ooh. to that point in the story. Yeah. Which I, I love think it. there's some truth to that. that I think so, too. Crazy. I love it. I, f I feel oh. like. So they never figured out what the hell happened. 
They know the what happened. Have to be well, they dead. know. The they just don't know who did it. it. They can't. I think everyone knows the cousins did it. But they then, just, how do you get? They can't. They have to bring them to justice. They've never paid for it. But no. how do you do that now? Because obviously they're dead. Well, he's chasing them through. He's hell. chasing them through. Oh. He said he was going to cross. You know, chase them across time. Yeah. Oh. I think yeah. he's there's some <gasps> he's time traveling quantum stuff oh going on here that what we don't understand right now. I be. think he is chasing their souls. Wow. I really I love do. That. And yeah. He's going to make sure that they pay. Wow. And when justice is given to their souls, he will come get Harriet. Wow. I love it. And she's waiting. She's waiting. Mm-hmm. I just want to see her. Just want to see her so badly. Mm. So well, you might. Maybe one day. We'll walk past it before we leave. I know. Can we I? can peek in. Listen. Church bells. ringing for Harriet. She's she's calling for you, sugar. No. I mean, I think the church is calling Harriet. Saying, come on. No, I think that's Harriet ringing the bells telling you. I'll go up. right in there and come ask, on, Harriet, shoot. are you here? <laughs> Let's go. In a minute. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going to do that tomorrow at noon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll do it. I would walk in there if, if I, and I if it's not dark. I don't like it dark. It looks like they turned the lights out. The lights were on, but they look like they're out. I know. Now. It looks like they turned them out. That's rude. That's very <laughs> rude. Harriet said, great. click, come get me, exactly. bitches. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a wonderful story, that though. Is. There's romance. Oh, over. I think our next ghost is calling us. I think oh, so, too. Oh, to church the next location. Church. Yay, what yes. Okay, let's, we're, we're I'm going to go to the next church. Yep, we're going to pause. All right, tell us where we are. We are on Church Street in front of Dock Street Theater, which used to be called the Planters Hotel. Okay. And hotel is a bit of a euphemism. I mean, people did, in <laughs> fact, stay there overnight. But on the bottom floor, which is now the lobby of the Dock Street, um, the bottom floor was a it was like a really super high-class bar. Basically, okay. like a lounge, a lobby, mm-hmm. but that's where all of the highfalutin businessmen would come uh, okay. after work, and they would have. It was it was a very actually shishi place. Nice. They'd I have like their shishi. cigars and drinks mm-hmm. and converse and blah blah blah. Now most of them would actually go to church on Sunday morning with their families right across the street at St. Philip's. Okay, it's so gorgeous. It Beautiful. is gorgeous. Yeah. So the subject matter of our ghost story Uh is Nettie Dickerson. Okay. And we're going to go back to 1838. All right. Nettie is a young woman, and I need to say a young woman by our standards today. (laughs) She was already 24. Oh, wow. We were in dispensterhood back then. Oh, gosh. Yeah, she was like an old maid back then. But Nettie uh, was from the rural parts of South Carolina. People claim that she was from the upstate kind of area, but rural, very rural. She was very good looking, really pretty. She had plenty of marriage prospects. Oh. But they all entailed her staying in the country and being a country wife. Oh, no. She wasn't having that. She wasn't. She had this independent streak, and she had a wild imagination. Right. And she always loved Charleston. And she could just feel herself being pulled to Charleston. She really wanted the city life. She wanted arts and culture and everything that Charleston offered. So her local parish priest said, okay, let's get you to Charleston. Let's get you in a safe job set up and let's get you down there. So he made a deal with the priest here at St. Michael. Or, oh, sorry, St. Philip's. Phillips. We're at St. Philip's now. Can you tell me again what year, around what year this was? 1838. 1838. 
So he, uh, the priest here says, yes, we would love to have this young woman come work for us. And she could do a ton of stuff. She could do anything that needed to be done. She was, she was a working class kind of girl, but very, very capable and very smart. So okay. she could do the bookkeeping, the, the, she could organize events. She could do whatever the church needed to have done. And in return, she got room and board. Okay. In one of the, I don't know, parish houses or something. Right. And she even got a small clothing allowance. <gasps> you got so Nettie. Fancy Nettie. Right. I love it. So she could make herself presentable. Because I need to say, St. Philip's was a very high society church. Okay. Right. So she needed to look presentable of to course. the families who came there. And she was well beloved. She performed so well. All of the families loved her. They actually found that her sort of country innocence was very refreshing mm-hmm. and they loved that she was industrious and smart nice so our young nutty though realizes i'm 25 and most of the men that i'm that are you know coming after me she was sought after here in charleston are already married oh. excuse me Oh no! And they That's were looking naughty. for her for other reasons. They were not treating nice. her oh. as if she would be a mistress. Yeah, oh, like mom. a side piece. She was a side chick. That's not yeah, nice. Nettie ain't no side piece. No, that's not what she had in mind. But she also understood, you know what? The men who she was wanting to marry, they would never marry a working class girl. Right. They would marry mm, in their own into society. Society, and <sighs> at this point, she's old. So Dang. she's really like side chick material at this Dang, point. Dang, Nettie. Yeah. I'm sorry. So Nettie climbs up to that very beautiful steeple that we're just now, you know, we're looking at while we're standing right here. And from up in there, she could see all of Charleston. Oh, mm-hmm. nice. And she had a vision. Oh, good. I like Let's a vision. Mm. <laughs> I love a vision. Part of the vision included her looking at the Planters Hotel oh. and looking at all the men who were propositioning her. Who were married and coming with their families to church every Sunday. Oh, yeah. But they were coming in and out of the very glamorous Planners Hotel. And really, that's kind of the scene she was looking for. Right. She wanted sure. to be part of the conversation, the action. Like, mm-hmm. And the other men that would come here would be the folks who were coming in from uh, other places. It was a huge port here in Charleston. So yeah. it didn't just cater to the locals. You get a lot of international businessmen. So she's thinking, hmm. Maybe if I can somehow get involved with that crowd, okay. it's going to be more open-minded. You know, maybe there's a prospect there for me, but maybe I'm also going to learn and have, like, good conversation with Sure. These, yeah. You know, it's, it's a whole broader world out there, and that's what she was looking for when she came to Charleston. But she understands what this is going to entail. So she saves up her money, and she buys enough fabric, a bit like Scarlett O'Hara here. She saves up. Gets enough fabric to make her a brilliant flaming red dress. Nice, I love red. And she makes this dress herself, and one night she flings open the doors to the Players Hotel and she just stands there. I'm hungry. Exactly like here I am. Love it. Awesome. They took her in. She later became the hostess oh, God. for the Planner Hotel. We do not have any indication that she was a mistress or a madam. Right. Okay. We don't really know. Ooh. Here she goes calling to us. Yes. yes. She said, thanks for telling the story. <laughs> Appreciate that. I love it. 
So Nettie actually becomes a smash hit over at the Planners Hotel, and she makes way more money than she ever made as the church mouse. Sure. Right, basically, yeah, right? Yeah. She gets all the attention she's ever desired. She is living her life. Nice. Much to the chagrin of St. Phillips. Oh. So the priest she used to work for would come by constantly and say, Nettie, you are on the wrong path. You have got to come back to church. And she's like, no way. Right. Why no would I way. Buy? Why would I bother? She got so... Uh, she she was here for years, and she would have lived actually in the hotel at uh-huh. some point. She became so brazen and so she was very respected there, right? But not respected on the streets. No, oh. I wouldn't think so. But she did go to church every Sunday morning. <gasps> Good for her. And as the years went on, she was met with more and more judgmental stares mm. by the wives. I would imagine. Mm, because mm-hmm. they're like, you're entertaining my husband six days a week. I only get him on Sunday morning. Right. Well, <laughs> honey, put on a red dress. <laughs> <laughs> so one night, Nettie, though, is really struggling inside because she still doesn't have a husband. She still is like, she's she's really loving this exciting life. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, it didn't turn out like she imagined. So one night she comes out here on this balcony, this wrought iron balcony. And the priest from St. Philip's comes by and he said, please, I have not given up on you. I'll never give up on you. You need to come home. You need to come back to St. Philip's and you need to come back to your job. You give up this wicked way of life that you have right now. And a big thunderstorm broke out and lightning started just going everywhere, right? And she stands up there on that balcony and she holds very firm her hands on the oh, raw iron and oh she says, no. never. I will never come back. Oh, I am at home. No. Oh, and she no. gets struck no. down by lightning oh, in that no. moment. That's amazing. And she dies. Oh, Nettie. But, but Nettie. I mean, that's her dramatic exit. Yes. It is her dramatic exit. And she is constantly seen as the Dock Street ghost because oh. she. this was the home she right. loved. So Planners sure. Hotel was then later renovated into a theater. And people see her walking up the stairs. Oh. In her ball gowns and her glamorous. Yeah, she said she's never leaving. And she loves it. So people will see a very glamorous ghost walking up there. Now, I will tell you one thing strange. Okay. They see her with her legs cut off beneath the knees. What the heck? But when they renovated the building, they changed the the height of the floors. Oh. So she is still actually walking on the level of the floors that used to be there. That's so neat. Oh, that's crazy. Not what is there yeah. now. Oh. So when people so see, we can't her now, see her we can't see the bottom of her legs. You can't see her shoes and you can't see okay. her calves. But you will see her from the knee up walking as if she's in sort of the middle of the floor or up the stairs. Or if and if she's in a ball gown, we don't we we're don't not gonna see, anyway. see it really? anyway. So we're good. That's amazing. This is, she's actually a really popular, not popular ghost, but she's a very frequently seen ghost. So there's a lot of times when um, people are doing shows in the dock street, they're doing rehearsals, and a lot of times they use kids. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. if there's a big kids show or mm-hmm. Christmas thing, and the kids who have no idea about this ghost story will come running home and tell their parents, I saw, I saw this lady in this beautiful ball gown, and she was walking up the stairs, but her... She didn't have... She didn't have, like, full legs. And I thought it was part of the show. I thought it was something that they were tricking us on. Oh. And then the parents will say, well, we've heard there's the ghost. Oh, no. The kids never want to come back. Yeah. Some of them, like, 
don't want to come back, but some of them really want to come back and see her again. Exactly. So I actually think because Nettie's something of a showgirl. Okay. So she might feel really comfortable in a theater. Right. I mean, she was really... I would think so. Perhaps an entertainer at heart and soul. Like maybe that's why she couldn't stay in the church. She wanted to be... Well, and if you think about it, like... Um, plays and shows and they're looked at as being cultural and worldly and so that yes. still might be her jam it totally is yeah that totally that is. that you know kind of that entertainment yes. industry and part of society in, step inside these doors and yeah. step into another world i yes. love it one that you can leave behind yeah when you leave. i love nice. that's a great story that a great story man i love her Nettie is near and dear to my heart yeah i feel I like she don't feel the judgment she was very severely judged by charleston well i feel bad for her because she shouldn't have too. been judged yeah. she was ambitious before her time yeah so love it. rock on Nettie. <gasps> There's a little kitty cat. And there's the kitty cat. Holy moly. I feel like that the bottom of the sidewalk just fell out. Oh my god. Again with the chills. That cat just came out of nowhere and just was like that's Nettie. And now where's the cat? Gone. Oh, going to the corner. Maybe she's going to church. No, maybe. That's so funny. has saying, like, I will never. I will never. I will never go to church again. So as you were saying talking about Nettie and we're standing here and I was leaning against the wrought iron gates of the cemetery. I'm brave. And as you were saying that, I could smell a flower, a very floral scent coming from behind me. Um, and it was just very strong. But as soon as you stopped, as soon as we saw that cat walk by, it's like a fan blew the scent away and the scent is gone. Oh my gosh, you I, were smelling. Smell it. I no, smelled I it so strong. It was, cr- I kept thinking, do they smell that? Like, where is that coming from? And it, and it, I know it was from behind me. I don't know if Nettie is just hanging out with some peeps back there or what, or if there's another ghost trying to get our attention. But I definitely could feel that I could smell it so strong. Easily could have been a woman's perfume. Like Nettie's perfume. Very floral, like a woman's woman. perfume. Wow. Yeah. Especially Aww. back in those mm-hmm. days where they used a lot of herbals and florals right. and stuff. So, yeah. So Very I just wanted cool. to point that out. All right. We're trekking. Okay, now we're at our third spot. I don't want to say it's our resting place because that's not. (laughs) No, it's not your final resting place for sure. (laughs) Well, this is just where we're taking a break. (laughs) And we're going to chat a little. (laughs) This is my favorite ghost story. Okay, so we're moving forward in the 1800s and we have a young, saucy, sassy girl named Sally. 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 And we are standing right now in front of St. Philip's Church. And Sally lived down the street. Now, today, it's well lit by street lamps. Sure. It would not have been back then. So imagine more like gas lanterns that are just really on the porches or in the front of the front doors of people's houses. They're not really lighting the street. So this would have been pitch black, the street. Oh, my gosh. So Sally's Sally's having her debutante year. She's coming out. And that coming out process, you know, there's lots of dinners and Mm -hmm. lots of balls and all of their friends are also having the same thing. I mean, this sounds really hectic to me. So, (laughs) uh, the story takes place in December actually. And you guys will know that in December we get this, we constantly get fog. It's very Uh, frequent that that, that it's not just dark, but it's also really foggy and it gets very dense. Yes. So, Sally and her friends, uh, the adults are, they've done with dinner. The adults are downstairs and they're all, you know, 
chattering and actually one of the um guests at this dinner was a medium from new york oh a new yorker which means he's you know because he's from off he's more legitimate of course yeah yeah so he's telling, he's holding the seance and he's telling like all the energies he feels around and he says down the street in the St. Philip's cemetery there is a gray man. Oh. There is a man. And I feel that he is there guarding the grave of a very young boy. And he is guarding the entire cemetery to make sure that first of all the the young boy never feels left abandoned or alone and second of all that nobody kind of comes in the graveyard with ill purposes no one's gonna very thoughtful yes no Mm -hmm. one's gonna come in the graveyard in the middle of the night and try to vandalize it or noble ghost right there noble noble ghost ghost. now in fact there is and there is to this day you can go back there and check this there is the graveyard the the grave of a 10 year old boy who passed way way back and in fact it was so way back that when this little child passed away, the cemetery wasn't as populated as it is today. Today, okay. it's like a whole bunch of graves in there. Oh, yeah. But back then, his family was one of the first to have a plot. Mm. And he really is. There are plots in the back of the cemetery. And it's he would have been all by himself. Aww. So it's very, it's very sad. So it makes sense that there's this gray man would be protecting the mm-hmm. child. And also making sure no one else goes in the graveyard to make mischief. Right. So all the kids get together afterwards and they're like, that's a load of crock. That's a, that guy is just making stuff up. He was just, you know, who knows? So Sally's really running her mouth. Oh, Sal. That's Sally. Yeah. That's Sally she's sassy. She she's sassy. Sally, Sally. And she's coming out. And one of her friends <laughs> says, one of the guy friends says, Sally, are you serious? You don't believe in the gray man? Like. I mean, he told you, like, that we know there's a 10-year-old boy back there. He gave you facts. You don't believe in the gray man? So I was like, psh, whatever. Oh, Gray gosh. man? No, gray man. I'm not scared of him. And Sally's talking up all of her bravado, and her best friend says, Sally, you mm. need to zip it. Right. <laughs> They're the equivalent of that back in whatever that was. <laughs> right. Mid-1800s. You need to cool it, calm down. And Sally's not giving up. She's like, I don't care about any gray man. So the male friend says, the young guy says, all right, you don't care about a gray man? I double dog dare you. Uh oh. I would have said double dog. But no, it would have been like, you. I don't know what. Double, I dareth you. I, I, dareth, I, I double dareth you. I, I dareth you. I dareth you. And I'll bet you this hoop and stick. <laughs> <laughs> I dare you to go into the graveyard at night and go. Go see if you can find the grave. You know, Sugar, the gray man. I dare you to go into the graveyard. Uh-uh, at I night. double dare you. So you got to go. <laughs> double dog dare you. Get up on these spiked things and get over. Oh no! I'll give you a leg up. Who's <laughs> oh. gonna catch her on the other side? Nope. The gray man. The gray, the gray man. man. <laughs> Duh. So Sally takes the dare. Oh wow! She's like, I am not scared of the gray man. In fact, if I see the gray man, I will talk with him. And I will come back and tell you what he has to say. There you go. She is very brave. She is very brave. And she's ready to just bust out. And the guy says, okay, wait, hold up. How are we going to know that you're not actually just going to step outside your porch? Right. Yeah. (laughs) Wait a few minutes in the yard, turn around and come back in. And he has a walking stick. Okay. Gentlemen back then, even Mm -hmm. young little masters carried a walking stick. So Sally said, give me that walking stick. I'm going to take it all the way to the back of the graveyard 
and I'm gonna shove it in the ground next to the little boy's grave. Oh, gosh. oh. And tomorrow morning when it's light outside, all of you scaredy cats can go in the cemetery and you can see where I've been. Oh. Yeah. And then you can give me that hoop and stick. Give me that exactly. hoop and stick. That's right. I will have earned it. I will have earned your so hoop and stick. Sally grabs the the walking stick, not the hoop and stick. No. That is. <laughs> <laughs> and she clacks off into the night. Her little shoes like, <laughs> well, very quickly, she's outside the safety of the porch light. Mm-hmm. And she's engulfed in the dense fog, fog of a yeah. December evening. Right. So they can hear her shoes coming down Church Street. And then they don't hear anything at all. Oh, no. So, of course, they're all hoping that she just turns around and comes back pretty soon, right? Fifteen minutes go by. Okay. It's not really long enough for her to make it all the way back into the cemetery and back home yet. Thirty minutes go by. No Mm. Sally. An hour goes by. The dinner party is breaking up. Oh, no. The parents want to say their goodbyes. They want to say goodbye to our debutante. They Yeah. Where is Sally? We need to tell her goodnight. The children have to confess the dare. Oh, no. The fathers are furious. They grab every torch they can and come out into the night because they're not worried about Sally in a cemetery. They're worried that she could have fallen and broken her neck. Right. They're worried that she could have been picked up by some scoundrel. Sure. She could have been Something kidnapped. Something nefarious up could have been about. Yes. Horrible. Could have yes. happened. So everyone grabs their torches and they come down Church Street and there's no Sally. They come into the cemetery and they flank the walls of the cemetery. There's mm-hmm. no Sally. They mm-hmm. get all the way to the back where the little boy's grave is. They find Sally. Oh, Sally. She's face down. Arms are outstretched. She's been clawing at the ground. Oh. Her face is contorted in a scream. Oh. Sally's dead. <gasps> Sally. What the hell? What happened to her? What happened to you? Well, it's Sally. It's Sal. Sal, sugar. She's dead. I understand, sugar. But Lord have mercy. I mean, Lord, yes. Uh, uh, Sally, she's dead. Oh, you're nefarious. <laughs> nefarious? Whatever. She's notorious. You're with your hoop and stick. Well, the hoop and stick was the problem. Ah. Uh, Sally had, in fact, made it all the way back like she promised, and she had put her walking stick into the ground next to the grave. But when she turned to flee, the walking stick apparently had grabbed the edge of her <gasps> skirt. Oh, oh my gosh. She was the pinned. Got her. Well, she must have. So here's the question. Did Sally scare herself to death? Or did the gray man come, come out of the grave, yeah. Grab Sally, hold the stick down, and make sure she never left. Oh. I'm going with number two. I'm, I'm going number two. I'm not going number two right now. No. <laughs> I'm going with number two. I say number Option two. Option two. Option two. <laughs> That's the one I believe. Because she was up to no good. She was being mischievous. She had false bravado. Yes, sure. and she was mischievous, and the gray man didn't like that. No. He didn't had, want any mischievous in the... Yeah, she had ill intent. She did. She was she coming really to prove did. her own her own ego, and it turned out to be false bravado. Yeah. Oh, and no. the gray man, he done got her with the walking stick. Is the walking stick still back there? <gasps> you can go back and check. I don't yeah, want... I'll give you a leg up. No, sugar. Come on. Stop it with you and your leg up. Leg up. 
to give you a leg up. It's going to take more than a leg to get me up. <laughs> I'm thinking you can crawl, crawl up this tree, shimmy across that branch, get up on that thing, if and I'm then If I'm not mistaken, down. Sugar, this is a crepe myrtle. It is not likely to hold my weight. <laughs> it is not a live oak. <laughs> it is not a live oak. <laughs> I want to know, is there really a 10-year-old boy back there? There is. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. I've checked it. There's wow. a 10-year-old boy back there. Yeah, a 10-year-old grave. And I think, if memory serves, it's from the 1700s. Wow. That is that's really crazy. Old. Yeah. That's really old. Yep. Like, that's older than you, sugar. I'm sorry. I'm going to get you. <laughs> I'm going to put it on pause for a second. Thanks for sharing those creepy stories, Andrea. That wraps up another episode of our Octobu series. Send us an email with your spooky stories to murder.sugarcoated at gmail.com. Y'all have a great week. Bye. This has been Sugar Coated Murder Podcast, a deliciously entertaining true crime podcast. Like what you heard? You can always explore past episodes by visiting sugarcoatedpod.com. Don't forget to like our Facebook fan page and share with friends. Thanks for listening to Sugar Coated Murder Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.